Welcome, Defenders fans, to the Department of Defense. This is the Dodd Pod, your for the fans, by the fans source for DC Defenders discussion and around the XFL intel, guaranteed in less than 30 minutes, unless, of course, we have XFL Connor on the podcast. Uh, we're 1-0, folks. We are 1-0. I'm DR. And I'm Austin. And we're here for Dodd Pod Episode 5, the week one postgame, with our opening day first impressions and our first edition of postgame mailbag, as we've said before. Podcasts go best with a beer. Tonight, we are drinking Throwing Shadows, an 8.2% double New England IPA from Trapezium Brewing Company in nearby Petersburg, Virginia. An exquisite beer. I think the best work of Trapezium, along with More News at 11, which we had not so long ago. Austin, what are your thoughts? Uh, it's a really good beer. Um, kind of funny, I'm not actually drinking it right now. I'm actually got a baseball practice to coach tonight, so being responsible. But I have had this in the past, and like you just said, it's... Probably my second favorite behind More News at 11. Um, and by the way, Trapezium, we're not sponsored by you yet, but we're open to it. <laughs> we are. We are. We're very, very close. Our closest, our closest brewery. Um, and they're doing a nice job, getting better and better with every beer. I've heard more people around town saying the same thing. Um, this one's a 4.5 for me. I think the I same. I think I did 4.5 as well when I had it. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It really is. Uh, so I feel like a New England IPA, this is, this is a good one. Um, if you can find it, find it somewhere. This this one's not distributed yet. Just think, no. just local to the brewery. Um, wow, we are we are one and zero. There's nothing like waking up on a Sunday having having gotten that first Saturday win. Um, couldn't be more excited. It's funny that you say you're 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 beer free right now. You're about to go coach. Couldn't go to the opening game yesterday because I had a coaching responsibility. In the real morning. life stuff gets in the way sometimes. <laughs> it does. It does. We can't just do XFL coverage uh, all day long every day. These day jobs they they do take take control of things, understandably. Um, but it was a lot of fun to sit on the couch and watch, um, stay on the Twitter machine, and, uh, yeah, we, we enjoyed it. So we're sorry we couldn't be there with all you folks who were at the game. Trust me, we were uh, high-fiving, jumping up and down in our living room and enjoying uh, the beginning of the XFL. And it really was helpful to us to be able to see the coverage um, yeah, to be able to talk about it. Yeah, that was, yeah, for obviously you want to be at the game, but if there's a game to not be at, you you obviously want to be at the first game, but at the same time, it was cool to see, okay, so what is this broadcast like? Because compared to the AAF, the XFL blew this out of the water. I mean, it was, it felt like I was watching an NFL game with how the broadcast was and everything, the sideline interviews. It was all in all, that. I mean, they got an A-plus week one, and that shows that they're here to stay. I've said that every week, but this league is showing us day in and day out, that this is not going to be an AAF type thing. This thing's not going to last just one year. They are here to build and just get better and better each week, and I am beyond excited for next week already. Yeah, I think the, I think the league, first, I think made a really informed choice having the opening game in D.C. Um, you know, obviously, some of the teams are playing in gigantic stadiums, mm-hmm. and we saw D.C., all, all the attendance for the first three games so far – have looked about the same in the seventeen to eighteen thousand yeah. range. The difference being the other teams play in stadiums with more than double that capacity. Audi Field, of course, twenty thousand. So DC looking very full. I think it was a wise choice by the league to start there. Um, you talked about that that point as well. Um, what it, what's what were some other positives you saw opening opening the league up? And do you have other thoughts on the on the, the Audi Field versus uh, the other venues? Well, obviously, yeah, the XFL was super smart by. Picking the best team to go to in week one. I mean, why would you not want to make right. that the first product people see? So, A-plus decision there. Um, 
But no, all in all, with all seriousness, Audi Field is going to look the best all year long unless you have the Guardians getting 85,000 people coming. And it's that's just not going to happen yet. Not saying 10 years down the road. The XFL could be bigger than the NFL for all we know. But no, watching a D.C. game, just from watching on TV alone, that place seemed super loud and the fans just seemed into it. And I'm also a D.C. United fan. Have not been to Audi Field. Was at RFK growing up as a kid, and it seems like that atmosphere is kind of transferring over to the new home of D.C. United and our beloved defenders, and I'm super excited to see that, and hopefully there are many more beer showers to come at Audi Field. Um, you know, if we're, if we're nitpicking, and I feel I feel like I am a little bit, there were some uh, audio issues mm-hmm. early in the game. A lot of folks on Twitter were commenting on that. So it wasn't just my TV, it wasn't just me. Um, no, that we, there were some issues, but it seemed like those got ironed out over the course of the game. And and really, other than that, I mean, I've got three exclamation points in my notes here next to production value. Mm-hmm. Um, again and again and again, I thought the league really did a nice job. The accessibility on the sidelines, unprecedented, uh, as I can think of in any sport, to have you know the reporter right, right down there, mm-hmm. microphone in the face. Um, even when perhaps you wouldn't want a microphone in your face. Yeah, the right? ed- I feel bad for the editing team that has to bleep stuff out. We had our first glimpse of that yesterday, relatively early on. Had f bomb dropped, which was pretty funny. But yeah, that's... Oh, that was the the big guy from the Dragons. Uh-huh. I can't remember who that was. Yeah, and also we're recording this now. It's Sunday around five o'clock Eastern time, so we were watching the Guardians and Vipers game, and Jamar Summers just had a pick six and. He was having an interview on the sideline with whoever the reporter was, but he looked over and saw that the defense was back on the field. He's like, I got to go. And he ran back onto the field because he was trying to get an interview (laughs) mid-game. Yeah, she was like, can I get a quick word? No, 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 I got to go. And he literally ran on the field. Um, You don't expect to see that, uh, but really, really fantastic. I think that the, the reporters have a place there. They can get that contact with the players, get the sort of raw emotion and excitement and enthusiasm. Fun, fun, fun. And I think that's really the XFL's value. It's sort of niche in the marketplace is having, you know, the sort of you know small league feel, um, but with the production value that doesn't oh, feel small notch. time no, at all. Top notch. Um, and these players, they're good. Are they NFL players? Not yet. Looking at a guy like Jamar Summers, he's right on the threshold. He was dominant in the AF, and he looks pretty dominant um, so far in the XFL uh, once again. Uh, picking up a fumble, racing to the end zone. Obviously, being an Iron fan, uh, I got used to seeing Summers make plays. The Guardians' defense looks good. Really excited to see that matchup in Week 2. We're going to talk more about that in a separate pod later this week. But the defenders looked aptly named as well. Um, one of the many highlights of, of seeing the defenders' team on the field. What did you think looked good, maybe not as good, from the defenders' side of things um, in opening week? Um, well, starting off, the first, I don't remember what the score was at the end of the first quarter, but nothing huge had happened yet for either team. I mean, there was the first game in a new league. There there had to have been some jitters. Some of these guys haven't ran an offense. Cardell Jones hasn't ran an offense in quite some time. So, I mean, there was definitely some jitters out there, but they worked out the kinks. It didn't take too long, and there were some super electric plays. I liked the razzle-dazzle on the touchdown. I mean, stuff like that is going to get people watching. And it's not just cut-and-dry NFL football. They're not just 
doing a oh, five-yard slant. Okay. No, they're doing jet sweep, reverse, flea flicker, Hail Marys. Like, it's, <laughs> it's going to be fun to watch. And especially once these guys get used to this type of play calling, I think they're really, really going to excel, especially a team like D.C. due to how a- athletic they are. So I'm excited to see what else Pep has up his sleeve. And banking off of Pep, me and you talked about it yesterday. Early on in the game, Pep is already pumping up the crowd on the sideline. So he was definitely feeding into um, the atmosphere, and the players seem to be loving it as well. Which I've watched NFL games for my whole life. I can't think I've seen many head coaches waving their arms up in the air <laughs> yeah. to extol the crowd to get loud. Uh, but the crowd really made an impact. On TV, you could hear the mm-hmm. crowd um, engaged in the game, sort of making noise, making it a tough environment. It's going to be interesting to see how you know the reputations of these various home fields and what's, what's a big advantage, what's not. Uh, but D.C. certainly came out strong there. Uh, you, know, you, mentioned, you mentioned the play calling and the razzle-dazzle, a couple things that we noted early. Love seeing Jackson utilized early mm-hmm. on in the run game. Um, brought him in. It was a it was you know a five yard carry. wasn't anything extravagant, but it seems like against certain teams and certain situations, it's going to be a place where he's really going to make his impact felt. We've talked before about Jackson, sort of you know obviously you know physicality, his speed. Um, he struggled on the two point conversions. Mm-hmm. Those looked we looked a little not. It was one of the places I thought we looked really less than sharp. Um, but Cardell looked you know, really sharp. Um, Twenty eight yards on the ground. Uh, so scrambling was effective. God, his arm is so strong. That dude is just strong. He, yeah, I mean the one the one play where he looked like he was you know dead to right yeah. sacked and he just shedded through uh, harder than I could standing sackers. up on two feet and he's getting hit by somebody. Yeah, no, just, he, yeah, he's he's tough. Sixteen to 62 percent completion percentage. Um, distributing the ball to eight different receivers. Uh, nine different guys were targeted in the game. Eli Rogers really standing out, catching six out of six passes on which he was targeted for seventy three yards. Uh, Love to see, and it seems like a trend in the league, teams are really utilizing a lot of players. Um, guys are getting a chance, multiple QBs getting a chance for multiple teams. Um, and it's good to see, right? Guys are guys are going to stay invested. They're going to stay dialed in. Uh, and I think that's a, a great approach, and it seems like across the board in the league, maybe we're going to see that. Uh, nine players caught passes uh, also for Seattle, and I feel like in an average NFL game, you don't see that many no. guys touch the ball. No, for sure. I agree with that completely. So speaking of, we touched on Tyree Jackson, um, the extra points, talking about that, it felt like they weren't as comfortable being closer, just going for the one-point um, plays. So it's, I'll be interested to see if next week, I mean, it's not that much of a yardage difference on each um, one, two, or three points. So I'm wondering if Pep might want to back the offense up a little bit and go for two or go for three, not even based on the game scenario, but just with the offense's comfortability with how close they are to the end zone. Because you know there's some guys that they struggle at the one-yard line. They'd rather be backed up, start them at the five, start them at the ten. They have – feel like they have more space and more time to kind of run a full play instead of having to run something right up the gut. I, I think you're right. And, and you know, the analytics we talked about, uh, I guess when we did the rules podcast – the highest expected point value is going to be on the two-point conversion from the five-yard line. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really interesting. We didn't see a lot of those plays yesterday, no. maybe only one that I can recall. And so it's it's going to be interesting to see if that sort of analytics, analytics-driven analytics approach 
uh, sort of moves along as over the course of the year as as teams experiment with our let's just let's just go for the the quote easy one um, but if the expected point value is lower on that two point try uh, it'll be interesting to see if teams adapt and, and you know try to go for two even when they you know they don't have to um, you know we did see field goal kicking yesterday yes we did uh, so no extra point kick tries and goodness gracious much more exciting there right to see that play uh-huh but we did get to see field goals Tyler Rossa uh, coming up huge. He did miss one. Twitter Twitter had fun with that one, for sure. Um, PFT was there, and I'm pulling up a tweet. He had one of the funnier tweets I've seen about the XFL so far. Um, pulling this up right now. He was obviously he chimed in on the miss kick because you know he called himself what Mister Thirty Five Yards. Mister Thirty Five Yards. And how far was that kick? I. I think it may have been exactly 35 yards. Here it, it wasn't is. 35, it was 34. Um, let me see the... Yeah, the, he made a 34-yarder, missed a 35-yarder, if mm. I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. You, you can't write this stuff. It's amazing. Uh, is that right? 35? Yeah, so yeah, his tweet was, I'm not going to say if I was kicking the over would have hit, but I'm also not <laughs> saying that. That was one of them. He had one more after the kick that was just really fun. It was really cool to see him see him there and being active with the fans. There was a video of him chugging a beer with somebody down in the front row. He was just having fun. Tweeted no comment after the other after the mer- a missed kick. Um, not a bad 42-yard kick from Rasa. Could have gotten a little more under it if I'm nitpicking, which I'm not. <laughs> so right. all in all, That's he's, right. he's going to be great for... The defenders as a social media personality, he, people that don't have an allegiance to DC but like barstool sports and like PFT commenter, they're gonna pull for the defenders because PFT's a defenders guy, so he's got a lot of pull. So yeah. it's gonna be good for the defenders as a whole with him being there. Yeah, I don't know if you saw today, but uh, Darren Ravel uh, was in the double zero for the Guardians, and. Uh, I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna take PFT over Darren Ravel. Oh, Darren Ravel's uh, a nerd. <laughs> the uh, cool guy who might put on our jersey at any given moment. Uh, race, um, but Rasa uh, coming up big with the XFL's first 50 yard plus. I mean, he had the XFL's first field goal, but knocking it through from 54, oh, 55 yards had plenty of leg. Um, so that kind of showed why he made the team. And at the time, we were down 13 to nine. That put us at 13 to 12 going into the half. Um, a really, really big kick, I think, and, and we really seized upon that momentum going into the second half um, and then scored early with uh, the play that you mentioned, right? The jet sweep, reverse, mm-hmm. flea <laughs> flicker, um, like four or five different guys touched the ball, uh, 39-yard touchdown pass to Kari Lee from Cardale Jones, and, and Kari showing uh, why many people were excited about him, breaking tackles, getting on the sideline. Um, really, really exciting uh, to see to see the trickery, um, and to see the offense really, really click uh, as it as it did. What um, what other thoughts did you have? We had uh, certainly we talked a little bit about the pace of play. What impressions did you have about that yesterday? The pace of play. We were sitting there on the couch yesterday, and we were joking how we were out of breath due to how fast things were happening. We were trying to tweet things. I was trying to video things. And the 25-second play clock is fantastic. There is no sitting and waiting for something to happen. It's it's all action all the time. And they really they hit the slogan on the head with the less stall, more ball because 
there weren't many moments where you even had 30 seconds to sit there and try to tweet something. You you would miss something if you were on Twitter, which is good. Yeah. So the pace of play was fantastic. What did you think about that? No, I agree. I mean, it's good that there were two of us because uh, one of us could watch the screen while the other was trying to send a tweet. We were actively like, oh, you, you got this one? Okay, <laughs> cool. Uh, I'm going to watch, uh, you know, furiously taking notes, getting ready for this. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was a blast. But the pace of play was really insane. And – and part of me thinks that's probably why you saw so many guys catch passes as there's a need to rotate players tired. in and out. You're not getting that extra 10 seconds to catch your breath um, as a player on the field. Um, you know, right right from the opening kick, I think you saw the difference in the XFL with the kickoffs. Those looked good. Um, I like that punts are going into play. Certainly you can call a fair catch, but we're seeing returns. And I love that kickoff rule. that We had that yesterday where um, – Oh, my gosh, you're right. It was a Seattle didn't kick it to the 20-yard line, and it landed. So we got the ball on Seattle's 45. I mean, that's a huge swing. You're on the other side of the field just based off of a bad kick. Right, and that's how we got the 55-yard uh-huh. field goal. Yeah. Um, it was late in the half. Seattle scores, kicks it off. You think, okay, we're just going to, you know, let first, the time expire know what here. We're going to be down 13-9 yeah. going to the half. You know, ball doesn't doesn't go far enough, right? Mm-hmm. It didn't even go past the 20. So automatically on their forty-five, yeah, that's huge. Yeah, I mean, people are looking around, look, look a little befuddled. I think there was some. We heard some. There were some booze. from the crowd. There were some booze. It was. Uh, it was Ross, right? Who wisely didn't, you know, field mm. that kick. He made sure he let it bounce in front of the twenty, um, knowing the rules, which was great. But fans, fans did not like it uh, right out of the gate. They uh, they obviously did not listen to the Dodd Pod. They did not listen to episode three. Uh, no, excuse me, episode two. Less stall, more ball. All about the all about the rules. Um, that's it's still a good pod for those who are learning. Uh, yeah, the we, rules we break the everything down. Give it a listen. Um, what else? So we we had we we're plus three in turnovers. It's hard to lose when you're plus three in turnovers. Plus we had a block punt for a touchdown. Plus we had a pick six. Um, the defense really came to play. Defenders living up to their name. What were your thoughts about how we looked on that side of the ball? Well, I don't want to say I was more excited when we were on defense because obviously I wanted. To see Cardale and want to see him on offense, but it was fun to watch them on defense. They they look like they've been playing with each other for years. I mean, they just the chemistry seems like it's all there. The guys just seem to have everybody's back. There wasn't there weren't many huge defensive lapses. I mean, obviously you're gonna have a play or two where something happens, but as a whole, the defense was fantastic. And yeah, it's almost like they named the team the defenders based on how this defense played. And after watching that, I'm excited to see how they um, play against a team such as New York on uh, Saturday as they were up, what, 17 nothing when we started They were recording. up 17 nothing, and then I think it was 23-3 when we, we finally Yeah, so their, their offense is going to be a good test, and I'm excited to see how they match up with what could be one of the better offenses in the XFL. Yeah, and again, don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but Tampa Bay really had some lapses in coverage. Glanville talked about that at halftime, and uh, that was apparent watching the first half, that there's some real breakdowns um, and a relatively complicated scheme that Tampa Bay is running defensively, and New York capitalized on that. I didn't see a ton outside of a few of those plays from McGloin um, at the QB position, so it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, the Guardians clearly have a strong defense, and, and our defense is going to have to you know really come to play, keep them off the board. Um, but again, more on that. In the next pod. Yeah. Uh, we had a couple of questions come in, come in to us today. Uh, I don't know if we've checked what's come in the last few minutes, but 
But one of those questions was about the was about the run game. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have a ton of success on the ground. Didn't run all that many running plays. Really, I think sixteen running plays for our backs for sixteen yards. Not lighting the world on fire no. there. Um, so some concern expressed by fans is that what the run game is going to look like? What are your What are your thoughts going into Week Two? Um, I want to use the words of Aaron Rodgers: R E L A X. Relax. It's <laughs> it was Week One of a brand new football league, new rules. Um, so obviously everything's not going to be a hundred percent ready to fire on all cylinders. So yeah, the run game wasn't good by any means, but they played sixty minutes of football total. So. With a coach like Pep, offensive-minded guy, don't expect the run game to be bad each and every week. It's only going to climb. And so that tweet was from at Delco Trash 66. So talking about um, going off of that question, talking about Presley, how says Presley is a beast in the run game. Do you think we'll see more from going forward? And, yeah, we even had a comment. There was a slow-mo replay. Gosh, like, this guy's man. huge. I mean, he's, he's just jacked. Ripped. Yeah, so, no, I do believe we'll see uh, more of him going forward. He's he's going to be a key factor in this offense, especially if um, we're having a rough pass game or the weather's bad. So, yeah, no, we can fully expect to see the run game be better than it was yesterday, and I do believe we'll see more of Jarrell Presley. What do you think on that? Well, I, I would tend to agree. I mean, in fact, Tampa today, as little success as they had, and the final was 23-3, to um, they had more success on the ground uh, than they did through the air, and so I think that may portend a little heavier dose of Presley next week. Um, so for our, our two folks who asked questions about the run game, and I'm trying to remember the other, uh, we fielded a question from Ashton. Is that right? Ashton? Yeah, Ashton. At A-S-H-K-W-E-N-G on Twitter. Ash Quing. Um, Ash Quang, Sixers fan, show choir enthusiast, and beef jerky connoisseur. I like this guy. It takes all kinds, right? It takes all kinds. Um, <laughs> Ashton, thank you for the question. That was a good question. That's a, a varied group of interests, um, including uh, being interested in our D.C. Defenders, which we which we certainly love. So thank you for your question. Um, and the other was Pro Defenders Trash Can. Is that right? That one kind of blended with that one. That was the Presley one. Yeah, those, so, those two guys. with Yeah, uh, those two. Kind of, so, yeah, it shows. Yeah, the running game was not good, and people noticed. And but it, it's gonna pick up. I'm we'll, not worried about it. And we had one. We had one more question one about more. sort of fan access. It was an interesting question. It's a really good um, question. Remind me. Remind me. Who's the, who was that? This question was from? from DTF Defenders the Fanatics on Twitter. Defenders the Fanatics, so sort of a new fan group. Sounds like forming. Um, just keep in mind out there, all DC Defenders fans, the original fan group, right here, right here. Uh, literally day one of the Defenders name being announced, but. We're following all the other fan groups. We're encouraging those as well. Um, there's there's plenty of room, lots of room for, for sure. activities uh, here in and around our our beloved, as you said earlier, DC Defenders. Um, so that question was about sort of fan access before the game. What were some of your initial thoughts on that? Um, so yeah, the the question he tweeted to us was: Should arriving players interact with fans and media to promote the XFL, or should they stay buried in their headphones? And First glance of that tweet, I read it to be harsh, but I don't think that's really how it was meant. Hmm. But you have to look at it as we were talking about before we started recording this. These guys are going to work. If you were walking into work on Monday morning and you had 500 people yelling your name and asking to come over and do this and come do that, these guys are on a schedule. Um, 
they got stuff to do. They got to warm up. These guys, they're not millionaires like we talked about. They're yeah. trying to establish themselves in this league so they have a chance at becoming the millionaires that they want to be. So, no, player interaction is always good, but there is a time and place for it. Um, I've been to a lot of minor league baseball games, and the main thing you will always hear when a kid or somebody asks for an autograph, they will look at you and say, I got you after the game. So, after the game, it's fun time. Before the game, they're getting ready for work. They're um, they're getting focused. So, no, I mean, a wave isn't going to hurt anybody, but we weren't there. We don't know what exactly the players were doing, but they're getting ready for work. So, what do you think about that? No, I'm, I'm with you, and, and just from having coached for years, I mean, before the game, I want my players locked in. I want them, you know, in their own headspace and really thinking about the game ahead. Um, and for many of these guys, they're thinking about, you know, what is you know maybe a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to earn their shot. So for me, it's really understandable that they are 100%, and probably you know, it's better for the team for them to be 100% yeah. locked in pre-game. The team, it seems like, has done a great job already of making the players accessible through a you know, variety of sort of you know, external fan events. And then I saw a number of images after the game of Cardale interacting with mm-hmm. like the OSU alumni fan group from D.C. Um, and other folks post-game. So I think if you hang around post-game, those guys are going to come out of the locker room and I think they are grateful for this opportunity. They are excited to engage with the fans. Um, but pregame, I think, is a little much to ask. I know you know all fans are excited and certainly want every chance they can to to see these guys, give them a handshake, give them a high five. But uh, I think that's going to depend on the player. Some guys are going to get energy from that kind of interaction before the game. Others, you know, they're really going to be in their own head. They may have their headphones. They're going to be getting ready to play. Um, so, but I think, again, a, a good question, interesting question. So, yeah, this is something we're going to start doing each week for the podcast, but we're going to try to do it right after the game so our minds are fresh. We did this one a little late because we just kind of thought of it. But <laughs> next Saturday, be on the lookout. We'll, we'll um, try to tweet that out right after the game, our little mailbag segment. And feel free to chime in and give us your thoughts. Yeah, we were a little little late getting up speed. We talked about getting this pod started last night, but uh, we were we were enjoying the – the Roughnecks game against the the Wildcats and really just kind of taking in the whole opening day. And uh, today, as the as the first game got got a little out of hand, it looked like the Guardians were in control in the fourth quarter. We felt like it'd be a good time to get behind the microphone here and and record something for for the DC Defenders fans um, before we sort of launch our our preview for Week Two, which it's hard to believe we're already almost there. Um, things we we didn't note that that maybe worry us a little bit going into next week. The D-line didn't seem to get a ton of push. I think that's going to be important going into next week's game. Um, you know, some great things from the team. I love the the shield mm-hmm. uh, getting used with the fire department yeah, and police that, department. That was a really cool cameo. It, it really was. It was really nice to see them sort of get out in the community that way and engage. Uh, Real-life defenders, I think, is the term that, that we saw pop up in a number uh, of places. Um, some play and catch with some of our uh, military servicemen before the game. Um, good, good stuff from the team. Good engagement again. Finally, being able to listen into the huddle and listen to play calls was awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. My favorite was Jim Zorn covering his <laughs> mouth as it's being broadcasted, so you can't see Jim, what he's saying. Jim, we can hear every word, buddy. So we yeah, he's the uh, whole game. Like he, he had the the, uh, the the you know the play call sheet like over his mouth and a hand cover and. Over and under. No, he was he was guarding yeah, it with his life. He's still struggling coaching in DC. <laughs> uh, yeah, you pointed that out. And, uh, you're dead on. Um, well, defenders fans, that's it for us this week. We're clocking out here at about 27 and a half minutes under 30. 
we don't have much left to say. You can give out a game ball after every game, and with this game, a lot of great individual performances. Um, but there's only one soundbite of the week, and we're going to give our game ball to a guy who, frankly, isn't letting go of the game ball. Uh, Elijah Qualls is going to take us away. We're going to see you later this week for our Week 2 preview. Leaving it to Elijah. I'm here with Elijah Qualls. You have not let go of the ball yet. Not going to. I had about six people at the bottom of that pile trying to fight me for it. It ain't happening though. It's mine. It's ours. DC, baby. We out here. Let's go.